This podcast is intended for entertainment and thought-provoking purposes only. The thoughts and views expressed are those of the hosts of Room 2008 and are meant to generate discussion about various topics and do not represent the views of any guest, platform, or network. Proceed with skepticism. Please enter Room 2008. Welcome to Room 2008. We are live on a Friday night, twitch.tv slash room2008ENT. We're live on Rumble and we're live on X, formerly known as Twitter. We are bundled up tonight. We're headed to Antarctica and we're going to find out what the hell's going on down there. I'm one of the hosts, Drew Nell, aka Nina. I'm usually, as usual, joined by Lance. How you doing? What's up? AKA Penta. And we're joined by Mr. Peter Rabbithole himself, aka Santa Maria. How's it going, Peter? What's up? Excited to get into tonight's topic. Absolutely. And we'll get into those names in a little bit. Obviously, you've probably heard them from Christopher Columbus's ships, but they have a different meaning tonight. Um, but we do have a guest. He's an author. He's a publisher, world explorer, the founder and producer of San Francisco's How Weird Street Fair. We have Brad Olson with us. How's it going, Brad? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, great to acquaint myself with Room 2008. I guess if I was going to do an AKA, I could have done Christopher Columbus. You still can. All right. Thanks for coming no, on, man. Good. What an honor. Absolutely. Oh, hey, my pleasure. My honors right back to you guys. We've yeah. been dying to talk to somebody about Antarctica, especially somebody who's been there. Yep. Yeah, we, we talked about doing this show and we decided to push it off and push it off because we wanted somebody who had an expertise or or a firsthand experience. This is a big topic. There's a lot of, uh, I hate to even say conspiracy because there's a lot of facts to it as well, but we had to have somebody who has the background with it. And, and so it's, it's a great pleasure to have you on to do this, do this right. Let me put it that way. The pleasure is all mine guys. And it was exactly five years ago that I was getting down to Ushuaia, Argentina, my girlfriend at the time. And we got down there and it's right in the middle of Christmas holiday and New Year's. And we're, we're thinking we were going to take a cruise because most of the uh, 90% of all the boats that go to Antarctica leave from Ushuaia, Argentina. So we get there and we're going into travel agents and one by one they're saying, what are you kidding me? This is the middle of Christmas, New Year's. Everybody's down here. There's no spots open. Everything's full. Why don't you come back in February? But we were flying out in early Feb. So it didn't look like at the time it was going to happen. But then we went into one more travel agent and she was really nice and took a liking to us. And she said, well, I happen to know that there is a sailboat at the other pier, not the pier where all the big cruise ships come to and the exploratory ships and that geo ship was in and out. Uh, but there's another pier at the yacht Harbor. Why don't you go there and inquire? 
So of course we did right away. And they had room for one, but um, I wasn't going to go and, and leave Emily and oh. behind. So, so, so we said, well, um, thank you. Uh, interesting to know. And then we got an idea what the price is going to be. But he said, right next to us anchored is a boat that's going to go down there in about three weeks. So we had to hang around Ushuaia, but they had room for two more. And so, and there was an, a third American on the boat, but it was a Polish sailboat called the Chief One. And they're still making trips down there uh, out of Ushuaia. But we were the maiden voyage wow. with a captain oh, wow. and a co-captain <laughs> who had never been there before. The entire no 14 of us on the boat is all of our first time. So. Did he wow. ask you also, have, have y'all been here before? What, do I need to take this turn? Was it, was it, <laughs> was it a big boat? Because I don't imagine. 72 foot. Wow. Okay. Wow. It's, it was a sailboat and we were yeah. under sail for more than half of the time. It was really catching the winds to get us yeah. there and back. And so when we came back, it actually took six days because we wanted to go by and see uh, Cape Horn, which is the southernmost tip of South America. And indeed, there is a pyramid shaped island is Cape Horn that uh, has taken down many shipwrecks. That was a very treacherous journey to go all the way around South America before the Panama Canal. So it was cool to see that. And plus, we were right on the dividing line of the Atlantic to the Pacific Ocean. And so as soon as we got the GPS coordinates, popped the champagne, and we took an extra day to get to that position to do it. And then it was sail back to Ushuaia. But right. while on the sailboat, we had 15 full days living on the boat. Actually, 26 days was the whole length of the trip. But 15 full days on the islands and the peninsula and the penguin colonies and so much more that we got to see. So wow. can anybody go down there as long as, you know, obviously if you can afford it or do you have to have some sort of credentials or? So, yeah, that, that's one of the misconceptions of Antarctica. And I do a talk at, at the big conferences called the uh, Hidden Anomalies of Antarctica. And one of the points of doing this talk is to clear up misconceptions. And one of the misconceptions is, oh, you can't go down there. Or it's an ice wall in the flat earth or, and then none of that's true. So we're you can't go down there and, yeah, it's expensive and you got to know what you're doing. And it's, it's hard. It, it's the hardest trip I ever took. Cause when we crossed the Drake passage, which are the stormiest seas of the world, got violently seasick. Um, oh 10, 10 out of 14 of us did. Oh, Oh man, the, the galley was a mess. It was strewn with pots and pans and the hardest thing to do on one of those days crossing the Drake in very stormy seas. You got to go to the bathroom so bad that you just cannot delay any longer. Oh, so then it's making your way through the boat and slamming around. You finally get to the bathroom. And even if you just have to pee, you still got to pull down your pants and sit on the toilet. But in this case, it was throwing up in the sink and then doing your business. Oh on the floor. my God. That was, uh, that was the hardest thing you had to do all day because wow. none of us were well enough to go up on deck and help with the watch. Yeah. When we did go up on watch, um, it's just to keep an eye out for icebergs. And that's the first thing we saw were these ginormous flat top icebergs wow. floating northbound and, and eventually melting. Right. So this was not a luxury cruise, <laughs> this was a, an adventure. Uh, an exploration if you're yeah, sailboat like, it's not like you had the seafood buffet 24 7 <laughs> going on you were looking for icebergs and uh let me ask you this while we're on the on the topic of the sea because I, I, I saw you on coast to coast i was listening to that and 
and you were you were explaining just the seasickness and i've been on boats where i've gotten extremely seasick are you going to go back that way are you going to try to fly in next time or are you planning to go back (laughs) period so i I, i'd love to go back (laughs) but um it's very expensive so if i were to go back we'd have to have a uh, a film crew or some kind of yeah. way that uh right passage is paid for right because I, I i there's many other places around the world i, I still want to go to so if i'm yeah. doing my own trip it's what about be- uh <clears throat> what about mainland antarctica uh can people go there yeah, yeah, real, real quick, real quick before you before you answer that, I wanted to say one of the, you spoke of misconceptions. Um, you know, if you do follow the flat Earth community and all that, one of their uh, main points is, um, you know, you go to the just just the tip of Antarctica. Um, you can't go into the mainland. If you go, you get shot down or anything. Here's so. the mainland on my cell phone. <laughs> I mean, oh really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, no, that's not true. Because um, beautiful, it's just amazing oh. scenery down there. Right. Wow. Because yeah, I was going to say one of the misconceptions I mean, is that I'm kind of related. I mean, if, if the Earth is round, and uh, how do I have all these pictures of see, Antarctica on my phone? Right. You didn't see the dome. Yeah. No, I get you. <laughs> uh, I wish we could, man. I wish we could get a better image of those pictures. There you go. Oh, oh yeah. Wow, look at that. Oh yeah. That's nice. called the Lemire Channel. It's about 16 kilometers long. On this particular attempt, here's it in uh, quick time. Our fast motion. We could not get through. There were too many icebergs. Right. So this particular attempt, we eventually did turn around. But boy, look at those. Look at those mountains. That scenery is just amazing. On the left is mainland Antarctica. And And I was reading in the uh, Lonely Planet book that some of these mountains have just been climbed in the 1990s. That's what I was about to say. It must be a weird feeling to be somewhere that literally a handful of people, you know. Yeah. I've been, but, but yeah, um, one of the misconceptions I, I did want to clear up was <laughs> I kind of related it to like, if someone wanted to come to the U S they fly into Miami, but they're not allowed to go further inland, you know? Yeah. But oh yeah, that's not the case then. What's this? That was this that we're looking at. And these uh, are just more pictures from the trip. This is actually on the, uh, that's point port Lockroy. This is the, <coughs> this is the Palmer base. This is the American base. And usually um, they don't want tourists to come there but because we were a couple americans and i was pretty persistent Small say, hey we're taxpayers you gotta let us come they did let us come ashore to check it out nice wow but everybody on the boat appreciated that um so i, I did did you happen to see anything down there that was kind of concerning or eye-catching or anything like that or was everything just kind of normal just kind of as you expected or it was a high adventure with a lot of wildlife and scenery and every one of the bases we went to and went to six different bases, either uh, Chilean, um, Argentinian base, the Polish base, um, mm-hmm. even a Ukrainian base. It's called uh, Vernansky. <clears throat> and it was, it was donated to them by the British for one English pound. And, they have a bar there <clears throat> called the Faraday Bar. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Having a little oh, frog. We know where you're recovered. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. And uh, yeah, it's just so my line of reasoning was I would just ask everybody, have you heard of anything about 
UFOs under the ice, the Nina Pinta and the Santa Maria. Mm -hmm. Call out her names, yeah. <laughs> Have you heard anything about pyramids or antediluvian megalithic structures poking through? Nope. Have you heard of any paranormal experience, UFO sighting? And it was almost going to be 100% no's, but then at, at the Argentinian base, there were two people there and, and the man and woman and the woman's like, we shouldn't tell him. And then she <laughs> left and we just kept bugging the guy. You got to tell us, what'd you see? What was she talking about? And he goes, there was a UFO sighting at the other Argentinian base a few weeks prior. Interesting. So that was about all I got <clears throat> as far as firsthand information, but nice. yeah, nobody see any green say green 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 it, it's not there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> did you uh did you see any greenery down there uh there is no trees no bushes no <clears throat> gardens no nothing the only thing that would be green is lichen on the rocks everything is that's what's so trippy about antarctica it's really unlike any place in the world because it's, it's just all covered with ice right right and all the I colors remember... are blue black and white you don't see any browns, no greens, no yellow. Another thing, we uh, like uh, like we said uh, before we got on, we we've done <laughs> uh, episodes talking about Admiral Byrd's exploration. Yeah, and uh, he did speak of seeing lands beyond Antarctica, and that always really freaked me out. Right. Like, why would he say that on uh, on TV? Why would he write about it? What's what's going on with that? I, that that's that haunts me at night. This topic, right? And that's because after high jump, <clears throat> they read him the riot act, and they basically placed a gag order on him. And he did do that uh, famous television show for the Long Jeans Watch Company. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he made a comment that uh, <coughs> the land beyond the poles. Well, what does that even mean? beyond the poles it's either the pole or around the pole or it's all one big polar plateau is what it is mm -hmm. but if you know where the hole is in the ice it's pretty close to the pole and if you know a little bit about uh, admiral bird's history he was also a very famous aviator and he was the very first to fly over the south pole in uh, the late 1920s so he would have seen this hole in the ice <clears throat> that's where it's located and then when he came back during Operation High Jump from Little America, he flew with just his radio man to the pole. And there were three hours of missing time. They thought he had crashed mm -hmm. when he went down in the hole because it's so big. It's several miles across. <clears throat> the Russians actually have provided much of the best intel about the, uh, the hole in the ice. And... KGB knows about it, and is that from his diary? The, um, that particular situation. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, yeah, that's, the detailed account. Right. Yeah, because that's that's kind of what we focused on on our the episode we did. It was like our second episode we ever did. Um, that's that that diary. That's kind of the story that just keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> right. Right. Because so it, it didn't it didn't get published till like I think the nineties. I think. Mid nineties or so. Oh, so that late, huh? right after his his passing. Oh wow. Yeah, that's why they feel like there's a lot of misinformation about it, just because it came later and 
But so I, what did he find in the hole? Well, he describes flying into it in in such a way that he went by some mountains and then everything turned green. And then he was uh, pretty amazed to see uh, what they first said. Is that an elephant? And then looking closer, it was a woolly mammoth. <laughs> so there was megafauna and megaflora down there. And as they're still flying along over this landscape, um, they lose first their radio contact with Little America. And then they, um, the Admiral Byrd lost control of the plane. Mm-hmm. And they're, but they're still flying in the same direction. And then over the radio comes a voice, a German or Nordic voice saying, uh, don't worry, Admiral Byrd, you're in good hands. And we so will be landing like in the domain shortly. And then they took him down. But then right then, two, as he described them, flugel rods, mm-hmm. UFOs, came wingtip to wingtip and landed him at this, uh, this pastel-colored emerald city, like the Wizard of Oz, about the best right. example I could give. What? Remember the visuals of that, you know, just the, yeah. the greenery and the, and the, the life, the, the, the flowing of water out there. It's just like uh, beautiful landscaping. So they, is uh, this the down. is this the entrance to the earth or the exit or what is oh. this? <laughs> I think you just called it, Pete. Yeah, <laughs> the domain of the Ariani, where the name of the people, and then Admiral Byrd was summoned to meet the master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome story. I hate to call it a story. Because it could very well, in fact, be an exact situation. Yeah, this is blowing my mind. Do you believe it, Brad? Well, I believe it because there are other data points suggesting there is a massive hole under the ice. Mm -hmm. And and I do believe it because Admiral Byrd was uh, a very highly decorated, one of the most decorated military guys in history. And then for him to be... um, read the riot act for talking to the reporter after operation high jump and saying that we'll have an enemy that can fly pole to pole at incredible speeds. Uh, to my knowledge, there are still no planes that can fly pole to pole at incredible speeds. Even if you, there are some, uh, debate over the translation of that, even if it's the other translation, which is an enemy that would fly over the poles, it's, pretty much the same thing who right. what enemy is flying over the poles to come up and attack america right but when you take into account that after world war ii the nazis got out of there with the uh the most top secret uh ships including the Hanibu, wow. and most ufo researchers worth their weight in salt would recognize that 1952 flyover not of aliens, Nazis. Wow. Which oh basically my. forced Truman, who was president at the time, into surrender. Right. So we want to talk what? about history in America that nobody hears anything about because it's so humiliating that we would have to surrender to the Nazis post World War II is a bit of egg in the face. But yeah, I'm that's... working with Laura Eisenhower right now in her new book, Awakening the Truth Frequency. Her great-grandfather was Dwight D. Eisenhower. 
Sure. Mm. Wow. And there's some new information that's going to be coming out in Laura's book. What? Along the lines here. Nice. That a secret treaty was uh, drafted. And that's when <clears throat> also all these paperclip Nazis were in America. And right. oh my God. That's, that's, that's basically the infection, the fascist infection that we still see to this day. Right. That's, oh that's, my we, God. we've said this several times on the episode. It's, it's crazy how much of this stuff happened during, right before, during, or right after World War II. Like mm -hmm. this boom in technology, a lot of that UFOs. Puts yeah. That, that, that puts the paperclip stuff in new context. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't even consider that. Oh my God. That's, you know, it's, it, that was a great transition because I, I did have the Nazi German interests in Antarctica kind of next on a bullet point. Um, they had their own little colony, I guess, down there. A colony, yeah, so colony might be a bad word, but, you know. Before World War II, they were setting up new Schwabenland. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Battle of High Jump went down. And again, it was very one-sided. It was a total rout. These craft, <clears throat> this is in early 1947, after Bird flew to the domain. He was still a military man. He was still under orders to take the, it wasn't just U.S. forces, but there was a whole fleet of allied nations from World War II that assembled offshore of New Schwabenland. And they were tasked to retrieve and recover, if they could shoot it down, one of these Nazi UFO craft. I do believe they're, they're the Honeyboo craft that I have here in the book. And um, if they could do it, they, that, was, that was their mission. But instead, these craft, which can also manipulate gravity and all matter around them, including the ocean, they could fly through the ocean just as easily as they can fly through the sky, wow. came up out of the ocean. This is what the, uh, the Intel AGB had. You see, right after the Soviet Union collapsed in the late 1980s or 1990, you could go to Moscow with a suitcase of hard currency and find someone who will go into the Kremlin and give you anything you want. So there was a huge data dump of especially Nazi post-World War II intel that came into the UFO community. But there was also a crash, down crash video that you see online, an alien autopsy video. They had their own, all that stuff. But I found the most mind-blowing stuff is what the KGB said really went down in high jump. And they were all too uh, happy to uh, expose the U.S., who, of course, we've been at odds with for many decades, and uh, let the world know that the U.S. got their ass handed to them in the Battle of High Jump. And so basically what had happened was the day came when the reconnaissance was flying around New Schwabenland and there, there was some uh, outbuildings. So day one, they dropped a couple bombs. Day two, they came out with full force off the aircraft carriers. All the planes went up. And they were going to do a major bombing campaign. And then right there, no radio contact, no knowledge of where those planes went, no sign of those pilots or crewmen ever since. They just wow. blipped off the map. Maybe they hit a force field or some kind of energy weapon, took them out. <clears throat> Same day, maybe an hour later, up out of the ocean come these Hanibu craft. 
and nothing could shoot them down. <clears throat> they had a force uh, field around them. Came out of what kind of craft? Uh, the Honeyboo, the, the UFO craft developed by the Nazis. Okay. It was basically Draco technology that was uh, used by them. This was that that. Uh, so you're showing us uh, illustrations. Here. For anybody not not able to see it, we're on Spotify. What other <laughs> platforms can we actually see what he's showing? This is okay. from your book as well, right? Yeah, that's right. From Beyond Esoteric. That's awesome. All, all of this account I'm talking about, and a lot of the information comes out of my three esoteric series of books. Right. So, so just, just to round out high jump, basically the craft came up. They couldn't be shot down. Just in a show of force, they took out one ship, one destroyer wow. called the USS Murdoch. And I've even gone as far as to talk to some uh, dive recovery teams and said, hey, what if we go try to look for the Murdoch? They said, you know how expensive that would be? <laughs> but was it would certainly uh, – Give us a chapter of history that has been edited out because history is always written by the winners. You say if you find it, it'll be worth it and it'll be priceless. So yeah. the the Nazis wow. were able to reverse engineer these craft, uh, these vehicles, uh, from their contact with people at the poles. So that- first it started with the Vril Society. This is post-World War One, in the early 1920s in a barbarian hunting lodge and my friend uh, filmmaker frank jacob who did the documentary packing for mars him and his girlfriend tanya went out and found it still there the hunting lodge where the vril women they wore their hair very very long they were telepathic and at the time in the 1920s germany was far and above any other country with their level of engineering and industrial design and these real women were able to telepathically get these downloads where they could talk to a draftsman and and an engineer and they started to actually have workable prototypes well it wasn't too long that the other occultic group in germany in the early 1930s called the Thule society which was coming up in rank with all the uh future Nazi leaders like Hermann Hess, Adolf Hitler, uh, Himmler, and others were all part of this Thule Society, an occult group in Germany in the 1930s. And they are just all over this stuff. Is they that, sent is, expeditions around the world to go look for artifacts. Right. Is that, sometime, that sometime pronounced Thule? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure that was the same same thing. It, it depends if you're saying it in German, English, or uh, Norwegian. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, I prefer the Norwegian pronunciation Thule. T-H-U-L-E, though. Thule, Thule. yeah. Just like gotcha. the uh, roof rack by Thule <laughs> for bike racks. <laughs> right. And so the real women got this, this uh, information download from the Aldebaran star system. And I've checked this out with Alex Collier, who is a contactee of the Aldebarans, and he said, yeah, they did. And the reason why is because if used in a peaceful way, we could be in a Star Trek future right now. Right. We could have free energy. We could we could have zero point uh, technology that could take us through the universe. But uh, that went up against the, the globalist uh, petrochemical yep. industrial complex, you could say. And hence where we're at today. We, we've been robbed of our Star Trek future. And then, wow. of course, this technology was hijacked 
by the Thule Society and then became Nazi Germany in 1933. They had a crash in the Black Forest of Germany, but the better craft that the German scientists were able to study came from the Lombardy region of Italy. And Mussolini allowed the German scientists to work with that. So they've been working on this kind of round UFO anti-gravity technology since the 1920s. So we're talking about 100 years of human-made UFOs at this point. Do you believe or have any uh, insight on maybe private industry that has that type of technology they're working on it using it you know we've done previous uh shows that not to go down that the various shows that show that that technology has been used it's just not out to the public you have any any comment on that yeah sure lockheed martin skunk works you believe they're kind of uh using it (laughs) probably daily i mean is that something that you know that you've looked into is that oh uh, yeah of course okay so the so the the deathbed confessions of Ben Rich, who was the CEO of the Skunk Works, which is the, the black projects of Lockheed Martin, big aerospace manufacturer, worked right out. I'm in Las Vegas right now, just mm-hmm. 100 miles from here, mm-hmm. the Area 51 in the Ellis Air Force Base range. We go out to uh, Rachel, Nevada, all the time and do sky watches. Sometimes you catch wow. a drone or other military nice. flights, but. Not like the heydays during uh, Bob Lazar and right, um, yeah. When you knew George her Matt Matt going out there and yeah, and actually seeing them experiment with these craft. And and so Ben Rich came right out and said it in the late 1980s that we already have the technology then to take ET home. Wow. And a, a lot of other comments. Just look up Ben Rich quotes and you'll see a dozen of them that'll blow your mind. And this is uh, 40 years ago. He's seeing it. So can you imagine how advanced we are now? Yeah, this all this discussion is uh, lending credence to uh, other things we looked into, like Project Serpo and, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where they talk about uh, these technologies. Mon- and uh, yep, yep. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. Uh, MH370. If you haven't checked yeah. out that show, it's pretty. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> like uh, that that adds validity to that video yeah i don't know if um if you've been keeping up with uh mh370 stuff going on the past few months but what what's keeping lance up at night is these crafts that come out of water yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. USOs. yeah i have a uh a personal family member of mine who was on the uss uh, us nimitz uss nimitz and mm-hmm. uh and he was talking about I, I used to hear that for years in the past you know about the the, the tiktok that would uh uh, okay. I'll we'll make sure I don't say tic-tac, tic-tac. Yeah. That would come up out of the water, you know, and this was 15 something years ago. Right. And now it's becoming a conversation. The, you know, what you're talking about tonight and it just, it, everything links. Right. Know? The and, the Navy talked about uh, tracking a craft that went as fast through the water, which was, uh, you know, beyond our technology, the capabilities of our technology, they tracked it as fast through the air as it went through the water. Mm-hmm. Um, so that came out this year, didn't it? This was a big UFO year. Yeah, it was. Uh, next and, year, uh, year probably will be too. And so. speaking of uh, speaking of Vegas, I know this is this is slightly uh, off topic a little bit, but it still involves uh, UFOs. There was a story uh, this year. Uh, I was thinking about everything that happened. 
and there was a UFO that landed in somebody's backyard in Vegas. Yeah. You remember that story? Oh yeah. What do you what do you think of that story? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I got a friend who does um, owns the prop <coughs> property next to Skinwalker Ranch called Space oh, Wolf my. Research. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been to Skinwalker uh, half a dozen times too. Um, wow. His property doing sky watches, paranormal investigations, checking it out. Wow. And he was he's very into this. His name's Ryan Burns. And uh, he's got his own uh, talk show on YouTube, I think, called Paranormal Hero. And he went, he was very interested in that. So I was over there uh, having drinks with him one day and he, he brought it up, said, yeah, you heard about the Vegas incident. Of course. Yeah. Well, it happened just right here in North Las Vegas. I said, oh, cool. Well, did you go out there? Did you check it out? What do you think? He said he went out there and he's uh <clears throat> happens to have a black SUV and <laughs> he was out there just two days after it happened. And, uh, wow. Yeah. What the, the neighbors were all freaked out about it. They thought he was CIA and stuff. And he said we, there was uh, some kind of incident. We, we did an episode recently, uh, going over the case of, uh, Betty and Barney Hill, the mm -hmm. classic abduction story. And one thing that was parallel with that Vegas sighting, was that, you know, everybody was asking, why didn't anybody take pictures? And the witnesses said that when they made eye contact with the beings, they couldn't move. They were, they were like, uh, it was like paralysis or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was a strange connection with that, with the, the Hill story. Hmm. So anyway, I, I was, I was just wondering your thoughts of that. And it's crazier in Vegas. So, yeah. So um, I was going to say, speaking of technology, you know, relatively recently with the Nazis and, and Germany and American technology, there may be ancient civilizations that have been in Antarctica as well, correct? Right. That that's what I'm very interested in, including that pyramid we've seen so often. Right. I'm gonna So um, I talked to a travel outfitter that does specialty trips to Antarctica because <clears throat> I've had some some offers of possibilities of maybe working with a film crew and going down there again. So I want to get some logistics from this group and maybe we'll hire them to do it with us. And I talked to their uh, the main tour guide who knows the lay of the land. And so I showed him 20 or 30 of these images that I had and just said, would you, would you comment? And one of them is this craft under the ice, but then there's a, a double prop helicopter nearby. And he said, well, that's probably uh, either fake or maybe it's Greenland because there's not a single one of those kind of helicopters on Antarctica. Okay, let those one go aside. And then I showed him the picture of the pyramid. <clears throat> and I said, look at how symmetrical it is. It's almost the same base area of the Great Pyramid in Egypt. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we know that one. I said, really? Well, what is it? Yeah, that one. The Ellsworth Oh, ring. my. And he said it's just, uh, he called it a nun attack, which means an attractive mountain poking through the ice. Hmm. And I said, well, did you ever, did you ever land there? Because they, they have planes that can land on the, the ice I said no no we're we're flying to our camp uh on union glacier but we go by this and we see it all the time i said well i guess if you're just gonna say it's just a mountain Look has anybody gone there to investigate it to try to climb it or take a sample it's like no no we just fly over it huh. but even Look just fly, sharp even, edges, yeah even just flying over it. look at the i mean and it looks like there might be some smaller ones next to it like in egypt 
No, that's so they that's, just said, I uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll just, you know. It is what it is. It is that it is. is extremely sus, as they say. Mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> wow. Wow. Is there is there anything else? Um because like I said, I've got I've got some uh coordinates for certain anomalies, but was, was is there anything else to that would suggest ancient civilizations? Um that would Yeah. So apart from what people have drawn, like Corey Good, take it or leave it. Uh, nothing's quite like uh, photographic or video evidence. And then the next best thing is coordinates with Google Earth. And when I was heading down there, uh, I'm, I'm friends and colleague Michael Sala. He's done a lot of work on Antarctica too. And I said, well, what do you know about the Palmer Peninsula? That's where we're going. And he said, well, if you can get down south enough, there's Rothschild Island down there. Oh, naturally. <laughs> That's a weird place. <laughs> but uh, he also sent me some GPS coordinates that was supplied to him by people that are looking all over the place with Google Earth. Right. And they found what looks like a grid of foundational buildings that could be megalithic. So that's about wow. the best that I've come across as far as ancient civilizations down there. Yeah, let me see if I can. Uh, I have some coordinates here. Um, what people think is a fortress wall, and then there's one for like a square, just a, like a perfectly square structure. Ooh, gotta see um, this. Gotta see this. I don't know if uh, any one of those is what you're talking about, but let me get this. And are any of these located on a ley line? I uh, that was in a comment, which is interesting. Ooh, good I, question. I think I don't know. I we've done episodes on that. Is that all the? Uh, I don't know if they go down that low. I don't know. That's interesting. Hmm. Uh, so obviously we're starting to see a pattern here where because there's like uh, they, I've I've seen this on the internet as well so a lot of discussion about pyramids also being in China yeah um, and then you know in all kinds of places uh, you know continents across the earth and uh, I also saw a video of an underground forest that they found, I believe it was also in China, uh, like underground. And, uh, it was like a, it was like its own ecosystem. It's in uh, Vietnam. Oh, was it in, in Vietnam? Okay. China. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Biggest wow. cave system in the world. Yep. Was its own ecosystem. Wow. Fairly recently discovered and explored. So the hole at, uh, at the pole, does that, lead to a greater uh inside structure of the earth that we're not aware of um we all heard all kinds of crazy stuff yeah um so one of the things i talk about in my presentation at conferences is the geography and geology of antarctica and it is uh many fault lines a lot of geothermal activity and 91 known volcanoes. It's one of the most volcanically active continents in the world. Oh, wow. So you have the propensity of these, this geothermal activity under the ice, creating these large domes and occasionally uh, uh, an outlet like the hole in the ice. So Uh. Linda Moulton Howe, she, she also gets these great whistleblowers guy named Brian S and I've, done some due diligence and checked him out and then heard his accounts several times. And he gives one of the best accounts of what the hole looks like now because they were, uh, he's a pilot working on a 
flights from McMurdo or MacTown, it's called the largest base run by Americans. Right. But so is the South Pole Amundsen Scott station. And he was doing uh, flights there. And then they had a call for an emergency to go to the Davis Australian base, <coughs> kind of on the other, other side of Antarctica. They were in South Pole and they were ordered to fly all the way around this no fly zone. But it was an emergency. So they thought, well, this is, this is, we just got to get there as soon as possible to help this person. So they defied the orders because it's about a half hour extra time to fly around it. And that's when they, everybody on the crew saw it. And what was remarkable about Brian S.'s description to Linda Moulton Howe, he said that there was a, uh, a road across the polar plateau. So out there at the South Pole, it's over two miles of ice. So this hole, just to go down to the continental landmass of East Antarctica, would be two miles deep. What? Yeah. So he said that there was this cat track road that went out of the South Pole Station. And when it got to the hole, it just circled down and around. So you could take what? a cat track down there as well. Wow. And isn't it interesting that the NSA... No such agency as they didn't want to be identified till the 1980s when they had to admit it. National Security Agency. They were set up <clears throat> at the same time as the CIA in the 19, uh, late 1940s mm -hmm. with the sole purpose of dealing with the extraterrestrial phenomenon. With, wow. with all UFO crash retrievals, if they had to come up with a cover story like... Uh, close encounters and they said there was a deadly outbreak they have to they knew that there was going to be some kind of et contact or a crash retrieval airplane <clears> crash. the nsa was johnny on the spot so mm -hmm. isn't it interesting that in mcmurdo station there's a whole building that's run by the nsa <coughs> and they're up at south pole station all the time wow wow is this uh considered the illuminati disneyland <laughs> I think is it that is one degree past the South Pole. You mentioned oh, Brian it's, S. It's either there or the one of the motherships that I think is the most verifiable, which happens to be in New Schwabenland. And there's even a base to this day that's run by West Germany. Well, now it's unified Germany, <clears throat> but on old maps, the Germans never left. Mm -hmm. They became West German and stayed in New Schwabenland. As well as this location called the Conan Base, K O N H E N. Yep. And if you went to the Wayback Machine on Google Earth, <clears throat> they're doing some kind of excavation of a massive craft under the ice there. Oh my. Right, so this is actually live on Google Earth. Uh, this oh, is the Conan Base. Oh, there you go. I'm, I'm now sure it would look like there. it's got, um, yeah, the circus yeah. tent over it. There's the Conan Base. So it's right what the hell is even that? Like yeah, I, I kind of uh, look at it as uh, circus tent poles, but right up there at Conan Base, that's where they were doing the big excavation in 2013. Oh, wow. my. This is getting juicy. Oh, so there's three of these. Supposedly three massive crafts that have been They're, identified. So when we hear about these celebrities, I say celebrities, uh, powerhouses, people of... Uh, industry, uh, royalty, you know, John you, Kerry, the yeah. Prince Harry's. Um, is this where they're 
where they're going? Is so it's either here or the hole. So so uh, Prince Harry, he goes down to Antarctica with a bunch of his army buddies, and they go to the South Pole and they go cross country skiing for about a week. But where do you go? It's just the big polar plateau. It's perfectly flat. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to see. So although although we can go to Antarctica, we cannot go to the hole. Well, you can't fly over the hole. You can't fly. Okay, okay, it's just a a no fly. Okay, gotcha. But this travel company I talked to, they said they can take people there. They can do a trip there. But you All just right, gotta fly around. Get off air, let's talk cost. All right, let's our- get this GoFundMe <laughs> going. I'm. I want to go. I want to go see this thing. That'll be our first trip as a as a podcast group. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sail right. there though. That sounds that sounds Except, uh, treacherous. If we would have gone by our information, we'd be going to the North Pole to follow. <laughs> right, would be the wrong spot. Now, uh, can you mention what you said about that with Admiral Byrd? I found that fascinating because I did some research on this, trying to you know get used to this show, uh, familiarize myself with Admiral Byrd, and I was really confused with the North and South Pole. If you could just in a nutshell, just tell us real quick about that. So the North Pole has no landmass. It's just the Arctic Ocean. It's just covered with uh, sea ice. <clears throat> but the, the interesting thing about his diary which was not released in his lifetime. He gave it to his son who published it then some years later. But the account always says the Arctic, not the Antarctic. But the dates that were given are the exact same dates when Admiral Byrd was in Antarctica, was the the lead, the front admiral of the hijack expedition. Right. First, they went to Little America, which is a Antarctic base he founded, about 200 miles from McMurdo Station. It's you can still go there; it's like a museum now. We went to some old British uh, bases that were spying on the Nazis during World War II, uh, Operation Tamberlin, which was the British effort to uh, try to figure out what the Nazis were doing down there with a fair degree of success because they knew where to go during Operation High Jump to this area of New Schwabenland. Um, And that's when the Battle of High Jump took place. But before that, he was summoned to return to the hole in the ice. And now if this is the Arctic, all of these descriptions of mountains and landmass and all the other, it doesn't make any sense that that's the Arctic. So when he got back, he was read the riot act and and uh, put a gag order on for the rest of his life. So perhaps they just changed Antarctic to Arctic, but everything else was the same. But that is kind of a big enigma as far as why the diary calls it Arctic. I think he just maybe changed it sure. and just told his son, yeah, maybe put this out as a work of fiction. But He didn't want all the travelers to start going down to Antarctica. Well, maybe that too, or yeah. part of the gag order is you can never identify this location. So, okay, just call it the Arctic then and then describe sure. it that way. Yeah, you can release it, but we're changing this and you can't do anything about it. Kind of mm-hmm. do it all the time. Yeah, yeah, and so. you know, AI is probably going to correct it for us here pretty soon. You know. <laughs> probably. Or not correct it, but you know it's gonna stay with the North Pole because it's gonna be wrong. I see a lot of crazy stuff floating around, you know, X and TikTok and Reddit. A lot of a lot of people posting interesting, thought provoking stuff. Some of it seems a little out there to me. 
But uh, I've been seeing pictures of the hollow earth with, uh, you know, there's all kinds of names in there, like Agartha. What is all that? Is that all malarkey? What, what, what is that? Well, I'm much more of an inner earth theorist than I am a flat earth theorist. Just because I've been to continental landmass Antarctica, and if you look at any of the constructs of flat Earth, it's just an ice wall. Right. And I can tell you that's patently false. Yes, okay. there are ice sheets, and yes, there are 30 tall icebergs that would look like a wall from down on the water level. But uh, sure, I, I was I, I'm into maps. I draw maps. I look over maps. I, and before the trip, I was pouring over all kinds of maps. And uh, by the way, I found several huge land holdings in in uh, Brazil, Argentina, and Chile that are micronations that are basically, this is where the the Fourth Reich has been operating. I've always heard that uh, Hitler fled to Argentina. Yeah, he died his natural life there. Wow. What? And this oh, is yeah, the there's a whole uh, History Channel show called Hunting Hitler, three seasons, uh, 35 or 36 episodes. You should check wow. that out. And you wow. mentioned this in your book as well, The Future. I went to a lot of those places, too, when I was in the, South America. Are there German-speaking people there? I've heard that. Hell yeah. What? So there's a joke in Argentina and <laughs> Chile. It goes like this, because basically in those countries, they wiped out all their Native American population. It's something like 1% are left, unlike Bolivia and Peru, where there's a lot of Native people still. So you want a culture, that kind of culture, go to those countries. But you go to uh, Argentina and Chile, it's, they're very European. Uh, the cities are, the people are, they're tall white people mostly all over the place. Right. Um, but the joke is when, when Argentinians say, well, who are we as a people? Well, we're Italians who speak Spanish and wish we were as rich as the Germans. And the Germans have all the money down there and they have the big colonies. They have the town called La Falda where Hitler was seen after the war and wow. Nazi sympathizers everywhere. And they jumped. Yeah, it just wasn't a very big population so they could blend in. So I'm reading the, the lonely planet book. We're driving through Bolivia. <clears throat> Say, Oh, there's, there's a, a lumber mill in this little town. And in the lonely planet said, yeah. And behind the lumber bill is a little shack where Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Leon, Nazi war criminal just lived out the rest of his life. Oh my! Yeah, so, it's in the lonely planet. Big deal. <laughs> that means Nuremberg was a was just a show. It was a show. Yeah. He started a pastry shop. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> what we've established so far, and I, I'm just trying to compute this: the Nazis, they they weren't defeated. They just went behind the veil and possibly still operate. Yeah. Wow. In this yeah, country. And, and South America, they may have just been routed out of Antarctica a year ago. And I say that because I've known some people that have worked at McMurdo and I talked to a lot of people in the field. So anything unusual that pops up on the radar, I'm very interested in. So about a year ago, during the middle of winter, when there's only a thousand people on the entire continent of Antarctica, I mean, just try to wrap your head around that. Fifth largest continent in the world, 1,000 people. Wow. The whole wow. place, right? Of course, it goes way up now during the season when tourism go down there and a lot of these seasonal bases are occupied. 
But about a year, a year and a half ago, in the middle of winter, <clears throat> there were reports of all these German-speaking men who showed up at McMurdo, just get us out of here, first flight to New Zealand, we'll pay any price. <clears throat> and what was right around that time, there were some very unusual earthquakes at 10 kilometers down. Wow. Oh, snap. Indicates. What's that? Taking out underground bases. Oh, my. So the world system of these Mach uh, 2 speed <coughs> magnetic lev levitation trains, they're able to dig these tunnels using nuclear-powered boring machines. I've got pictures of them in uh, my book, Future Esoteric, in a chapter on underground bases. Wow. And they created a whole network of these uh and I, I've talked to eyewitnesses um, who've been on them, and they go super fast. You can go coast to coast in an hour. L.A. to New York City, one hour. The United States is underground. In a couple hours, right? And so right around this time, there were these very anomalous earthquakes, and they were all at the, the level of 10 kilometers. Mm -hmm. and the other thing you can tell how their takeouts of military bases, not only are they always at that depth, but on the Richter scale, and it's a normal earthquake, kind of is where in this case is boom, straight up. Wow. So they have a Richter scale signature of being taken out by explosion. And then they try to pancake them down. So that means the war never technically ended. No, we lost. Yeah. Not many people know that. I think uh, P Peter's going to be awake for the next two weeks straight now. Yeah, this is. Uh... <laughs> it was another poker hand. It was. It was. Yeah, we we got this route. We'll just go this route. This yeah, is uh, looks another way because when we were going through this stuff initially, I was like, "Man, this is a lot to take in. I don't know about this." But uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is just blowing my mind. It's yeah, blowing my mind. I was going to say, remind me to come back to maps in a minute. I wanted to go over a couple other anomalies found on Google Earth. Yeah, sure, uh, go for it. And I, I don't yeah. know if some of these are glitches on Google Earth or you know or whatever, but anyway, they're they're still interesting. So this, I'm going to zoom out a little bit. So that's on that part of because that's New Schwabenland. And when you zoom in, that's there's a, a perfectly, base. perfectly hmm. square structure. That could hmm. just be an old base, a little house, maybe. Wow, but that's on there as a uh, just a random, perfectly square structure. If that is New Schwabenland, then yeah, it's probably just an old old base or building. Could be a base foundation. Mm -hmm. and they're now on their third base at Neumeyer, which is the German base. It's Neumeyer three, and the the new method of building Antarctic bases, especially if you put them on the ice, because all the ice is flowing. Ice glaciers are kind of like water in slow motion. So if you try to put a foundation down, it's, it's going to get cracked and moved off. So now the big thing is they put these bases on sleds. So they're basically oh. just going along with the icebergs wherever they're going, and then oh, they can move them if they get too close to the ocean. Wow. Did, right. uh, what's that? Go ahead. I was going to say this next one um, is listed as stairs. So, uh, if you Lance, if you want to go ahead and whatever you were going to say while I'm pulling it up real quick, I was going to ask if, if Germany <laughs> signed the uh, the treaty. If they were the, one of the, the Antarctic treaty. Sure, they did. Yeah, I would assume. Right, you know, our house, you would think, but there's no trees down there. 
No, uh, the treaty, the Antarctic treaty. Oh, treaty, treaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Germany is obviously part of that. Most of the, I would say the, the the first world countries are involved right. in the treaty. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. So it fully ratified sixty one. But it 61. was proposed at 50, 58. 58. Uh, yeah. Okay. And so here's something really weird about it. In the Antarctic Treaty, it specifically says that no country can test or use nuclear bombs. Right. It's very, very clear on that. But but it, why make such a point unless it's been done previously? And that's what Operation wow. Argus is. And I do outline that in Beyond Esoteric in a chapter called Alternative 1, 2, and 3. Alternative 1 is basically what the cover story was, to blow atomic bombs in the upper atmosphere and let the pollution flow out. What a bonehead idea. And that's ostensibly right. what Operation Argus was, still a top secret uh, deployment, uh, still don't know. And as well as operation high jump, even right. with uh, freedom of information, you cannot get information on either one of those. Right. Um, opera, uh, alternative two, and here's a subterrain, one of these massive nuclear powered boring machines wow. that make the tunnels. Wow. Um, then they'd scurry underground because they, they had these think tanks in the 1950s said, well, the earth is going to be overpopulated and World War III is going to destroy the surface. So we got to make sure the continuity of government that will exist. And then alternative three is exploring going off planet. Wow. And then there's colonies on the moon and Mars and several whistleblowers that have come out of the secret space program. So that's been decades in the works. Right. It's been going on for quite a while. Uh, and now they're getting their memories back and talking at conferences and making great revelations. But as it applies alternative one to Antarctica, this was our comeuppance for the big loss in high jump. Sure. They went down there in 58. So um, less than 10 years after the route in Operation High Jump and nuked New Schwabenland. Because that's where Operation Argus took place. So if I right. were ever to go back to Antarctica, I would want to go to check out the pyramid, take a sample, climb it maybe, mm -hmm. and go to New Schwabenland with some Geiger counters. Because we were to ah. determine that there was some radiation there <clears throat> that would show that Operation Argus was to nuke the Nazis. Sure. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, that's, that's, I never even thought about, Yeah, I've never even thought about that. Um, you know, because if there's rules are put in place because something happened. That's why, you know, you know, you have do not eat on, you know, yeah. packaged, you know, in electronics or, you know, careful coffee's hot on McDonald's coffee. Cause right. You know, right. right. I didn't even think trouble. about that to, to put that together. So that makes total sense. We've tested yeah. nukes here. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. 50 miles from here. Atomic test site. Look on Google yeah. earth. So check it out. You right next to area 51. Right here, Papoose Lake here, atomic test site here. It's pockmarked right. with all these round nuclear bomb explosions. Yep. And we can't yep. test them down there. Fascinating. Yep. Fascinating. Yep. Yeah, I'll um I'll ask another question about the the treaty here in a minute. But uh, this is one of the other anomalies. Just real quick, this is uh, right there in Antarctica. 
And people say that this is an old staircase. Huh. Oh, my. I've never seen that one. So it's staircase. It's still a pixel. Is it gonna? Is it still? A, that's about as clear as I can get it. That's about. That yeah, is but it's strange. So huge. I mean, that'd be way too big for a staircase. Right. Well, that be, looks like it probably miles long. Yeah. Wow. Unless, I'd never unless, seen that. This is my favorite anomaly or Google Earth anomaly to come out of Antarctica. I think Peter knows where I'm going with this one. Facing the eyes. Uh, is the old. <laughs> I don't know if you've if you're familiar it? with yeah with the face that was found. Give me one second while this pulls up. <clears throat> I'm gonna. So this is. Let me share the yeah, screen. Yeah, this is this is terrifying stuff. So we're saying that the elites are boring holes out there, or, or were, for a, an apocalypse. That's what it sounds like. Oh yeah, Zuckerberg just built his uh, ultimate bunker. Yeah, <laughs> they're all going to like Hawaii to do that. Ironically, yeah, he he bought up uh, in the North Shore Kauai Island. I've been there. I know the <laughs> property he bought. And supposedly put in an underground bunker too there as well. Hell, plus we some real estate right. So now. I can tell you're already uh, queuing up the dry valleys because right there in the bay, that's where McMurdo is and gotcha. Erebus Mountain. Let's see what you got here. Here we go. There it is. Oh, the old <laughs> face. Yeah. Oh my God. That's terrifying. So I don't know if you're familiar with it or if you have an explanation for it or heard an explanation for it, but this is one of my I favorites. Have, um, this one to me is, is pareidolia. That's a word for when you see things uh, you in want the clouds or in mountains. I, mm -hmm. I don't really think this is like a face on Mars because right. where's the other eye? It's not perfectly symmetrical. <laughs> right. <laughs> That is crazy looking though. Uh, there's just so many different types of mountain ranges and stuff and shapes. Uh, it, you know, sometimes you'll see a face just like in clouds, I guess. Yeah. But that's, you know, the, pretty... the thing to do would be to check back on this year after year or go to the way back machine as far as they go and see if it looks the same. Oh, that's a good idea. My guess is it would shift around. Maybe those trenches are still there, but they're, they sure. move around with the flowing of the ice. Right. Probably. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to get back to maps real quick because um, I, I I did listen to y'all bring up, I think it's pronounced the Perry Reese map. Yeah, yeah. From 1513, which yep. mapped parts of Antarctica like 300 years before it was even discovered. Yep. Oh, man, pull this so, up. I got to um, see this. You know, I know you mentioned you were a cartographer yourself. So, yep. um, you know, can you go into that? Uh, just kind of how, how it differentiates from what we know Antarctica as. Today. Well, it shows Antarctica. If you can pull it up, <clears throat> try to describe it. This is so. This is so nuts. Uh, I'm gonna be crossing this for a long time. Like, uh, so, so much information. It's it's it, it doesn't stop. It's it's constant with Antarctica. Oh, uh, here we go. Yeah. So in the, the writing on the lower left-hand side, that's in Admiral Piri Reese, a Turkish admiral, in his handwriting. And he says he is basing this map off of other source maps, at least 20 other maps. Some of them are what um, Columbus also used his source maps and also um, dating back to the Library of Alexandria. 
Wow. So, and, and Graham Hancock uh, makes the same point on Ancient Apocalypse that these source maps were at a time when mariners knew the world a lot better than they did in 1513. Right. That these source maps come from thousands of years ago. And this one is uh, of the Atlantic. You can see the pretty accurate outline of Spain and Africa right. on the upper right. And yep. then the outline of uh, South America. And then the very I bottom, <clears throat> South America connects to Antarctica. Connects. Okay. Well, take a look. Oh, You're right there. This is pre-Hancock uh, ca uh, cataclysm, hard to say. Well, so Hancock makes the point of saying that uh, during the last ice age, the ocean levels were 400 feet lower than they are today because much of the fresh water was locked on the continental land masses. Aha! So he's making the point that these mariners who knew the physical properties of the earth and mapped it according to how they looked uh, before the water melted from the ice age and, and raised the ocean levels 400 feet. Wow. And uh, there's other locations around the world. I do another talk at uh, conferences and show these maps and um, take people around the world, show them the megalithic and polygonal architecture of a, of a master builder race that, that's very, very old. Some of the oldest architecture on the planet is these megalithic, polygonal-shaped, perfectly fitted blocks. See them all over South America, but really uh, five continents out of seven, the only exception is Australia and Antarctica, have megalithic constructions. Wow. Some of them even underwater. Yeah, I can't, I can't even fathom what might be under the water, like whole continents that we just aren't aware of um, a whole new world literally yeah uh atlantis old, old world uh, mm -hmm. who knows what what was buried um wow yeah um i, I was going to go back to the antarctic treaty um you know you made a, like i said you made a great point about the nuclear language in there that something must have happened in order for that language to be in there mm -hmm. one of the things i find concerning is i think there's 53 or so give or take countries that are now on board with the treaty mm -hmm. one of the only treaties that everyone is on board no one's violated right and and as you know it specifically states it'll be only used for research there's going to be no um i, I can't remember the exact language but basically military you can't use. any part of antarctica for yourself um <laughs> who truly governs antarctica who's who's the top who's over everything like who governs the military bases or you know like uh what's the hierarchy of command <laughs> so the signatories of the Antarctic Treaty are really the custodians. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much uh, you have down there in terms of bases and personnel is the higher ranking you have. Now, there are some countries that actually make claims, but those claims are not recognized by the world community. Right. Um, but nonetheless, that's where the countries that make those claims have their bases. But you got to understand the distances are very vast down there. Uh, it was very rare on our trip that we would even see another boat, certainly not military. They're not allowed to perform, but they can bring supplies down and do emergency evacuations. Right. But it's, it's very, it's, it's so hard 
of a climate to survive, especially if you think you're going to stay there over the winter. Uh, it's killed right. many people. It's it's very treacherous. You go overboard, you've got about two minutes to be rescued before you succumb to hypothermia. How cold right. does it get? Um, it's like a well, hundred below or something. Because there's icebergs floating around. Uh, it's, it's it can sometimes get like a hundred below or something like something crazy like that, right? Yeah, that that sets the record for the coldest temperatures on God, Earth at the Vostok is... station. Yeah, and I'm I'm out here at my house, bundled up in 55 degree weather. <laughs> Didn't have the bird stay over the winter and had some. Uh, he did. Yeah, he was a badass. He he was real survivalist. It almost now. killed him one time too. Carbon monoxide and, and uh, yep. uh, hypothermia. He came back and he was celebrated like they were. Oh yeah, partying in the streets for this guy. He sure. was a badass. Technically, wow. right now would be the time to go. Right. Now is the time to go. Yep, this is the start of the tourism season. Well, actually, a month ago, but it pretty much ends at the beginning of March. See, right. if we go, we're going to go in the off season, uh, mm -hmm. save some money. You know, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> for one, it's pitch black down there. Yeah, it's our uh, budget for our podcast is a little slim, so we got to. But um, down here during the winter season. There was one more anomaly real quick. Lance reminded, just reminded me of there's a, this one says it's a potential UFO crash. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Uh, it's a little hard for me to make that out, but uh, let's see what you think. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> what the hell is so, that? There's me talking on this TV show called the book of secrets and the truth is out there. And, Antarctica researcher Brad Olson says this is a disc <laughs> in the ice. And then they bring on some skeptic that says, no, it's just a rock with a shadow. And right. So, I mean, that to me, that is not the best example mm -hmm. of uh, a UFO under the ice. The one in the Conan base, I think, is, is the really the hardest one to. Yeah. Use. I haven't seen that one, but the one I was thinking you had, the reason I mentioned it is it shows a. Uh, God, the only skid mark going across where like <laughs> and it ran across, you know. And oh, stopped. I know that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's the one I thought you had. Yeah, let me see, let me see if I can find that one real quick. If y'all crash wanna... mark, is there a better word for it? <laughs> <laughs> so the uh... Put, uh, put one of my images up in chat. How about that? I'll show you what the okay. uh, Conan oh, base looks like. And just see where to attach. You, know, I, you can email it if you if you need to. Oh yeah, I'll do that. Uh, what were you gonna say then? Uh... Oh, uh, I was thinking. So we're seeing we this year we saw a lot of UFO stuff happening. What what would be the explanation for the the uptick in uh, in sightings? Is is this is this that technology uh, that re-engineered technology that we're seeing, or uh, is it Project Blue Beam? Uh, what uh, yeah. like, what do you think? <laughs> well, it's also predictive programming. Yeah. Here you have uh, Lester Holt coming on NBC Nightly News back in May saying mm -hmm. that um, that they have just discovered the, the Pentagon released a file that uh, <coughs> there's a mothership in our solar system. Oh, Here's yes. The, uh, I just emailed you the Conan base, yeah. what it looked like in 2013. Oh, Pete called that one. Old Santa Maria. <laughs> yeah. The, and we did an episode on the uh, the the Black Knight satellite. Uh, oh, yeah. 
that uh, a, an anomalous yeah, just thing recently. floating around out there. Flies uh, over the pole. Pole to pole right. satellite. One of the very few that ever does that. Oh, but wow. if you think about it, with the trajectory going over the pole every 36 hours or so, that every part of the planet could be monitored by the Black Knight. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we don't bother with it. We're like, ah, yeah, it's out there, whatever. Yeah, it's a... The pictures <laughs> they spotted it when they put the Sputnik up, the first uh, man in outer space with the Russians. They saw it. Right. Yeah, yeah we yeah, um, pictures. Before humans were... Right. I was going to say, this picture, you just emailed me. I actually had it ready to show. I had it in the wrong folder, <laughs> so that's why I didn't show it. But, uh, yeah, this, this right, one right, is crazy. Right. Put it up. I'll take you through it. Peter's mind's going to blow. So you got your uh, runway airstrip on the upper left, snow, snowmobile tracks coming around. <laughs> and then if you blow up on that area, they're doing some kind of excavation there. Yeah. Pulling something red or rusty out. Yeah, digging down. And that's yeah. the exact location of the uh, Conan base. And then when you looked at it today, when we saw, so there's the grills. That's some mm -hmm. kind of massive uh, quarter mile wow. where where the just the top uh, tent poles are sticking out. So I think after they did this excavation, they covered it up again. And that's what you see today. Oh. And there's, there's a snowmobile track coming over to it. And looks like a couple uh, little outbuildings, mm -hmm. but well, I really like it when you can get data points to connect. So the group of remote viewers called the Farsight Institute they did a remote view of this location and got down in it. Said, yeah, it's some kind of it's defunct. It's very very old, but it was built for giants, and it's the staircase. It, it was massive inside. Wow. Oh, yeah, the staircase giants. The staircase Interesting. That could have been a damn chair up there on the top of the mountain. Hey, the runway. So, don't you know, I don't know what kind of planes they're dropping right there, but don't runways need to be like a, you know, uh, what's the distance of a, just a normal? I'm trying to get the, you said it would be about a quarter I think mile. The grill is about a quarter mile. So, yeah, that's that, okay. what you can see of the runway is probably a half mile. Yeah, yeah probably at least needs to be a half mile, I believe. Wow. Wow. What the I'll hell are they doing? That's very interesting. So how do how do we find that? You go Man. to the Wayback Machine on Google Earth. Anybody can go look at it, and grab your own images. I think it's still oh. available. Yeah, this I got to I got to try and I got to try and figure that out. The Wayback Machine for Google Earth because I'm I'm sure there's a ton of of stuff that's been literally been covered up. So yeah, so ten years ago they were excavating it. Mm -hmm. Wow, but they probably still have a way in. Emery Smith calls it the door that there is a way, and that might be the Illuminati Disneyland is going in the door and then taking a tour inside that craft. Right. I think that could potentially blow anybody's mind. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder I wonder if that's what John Kerry's going to go look at. Yeah. He's gonna go he's gonna go look at that hole. <laughs> we know what he's doing. Wow, this is just such a like, and so many people are talking about this online. Like Finally, people are starting to ask questions about, you know, all this top secret stuff that's, uh, you know, that's spilling out. People are beginning to dig and uh, they're they're uh, they're coming up with some uh, some interesting observations uh, here. Um, the, yeah, that's there's definitely something being hidden. I just hope Google Earth doesn't start, you know, taking out these anomalies yeah. a little over time. Well, 
That's yeah. why we gotta gotta document them when we can. Well, they do cover up too. I have some examples I show in my slideshow that um, just they put a big white square or rectangle over a spot they don't want you to see. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yep. So there are places they won't show you, like the hole in the ice. Try as I may, I've never been able to see it on Google Earth. It's just right. quite obviously a a cover. So if you know Photoshop, it works in layers. They just put a layer over the top. Nope, not allowed to see that. Yep. yep. Yeah. I I feel like there's been a great effort by the military-industrial complex, the globalists, to hide the true nature of our reality and existence. Uh, yeah, from us. Uh, yeah, and our true origin. And uh, I think uh, one of the one of the, the the biggest secret is hidden in, in Antarctica. I don't know what it is. Uh, it could be the the entrance to the inside of the Earth. Um, I I just don't know, but. Damn it! I want to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, What was your mission to Antarctica? You just wanted to visit. It was the only continent you haven't been at. I mean, what's what was the yeah that? But um, so as far as I know, I'm the only researcher that went down there with the express purpose of looking into a lot of this stuff we've been talking about, from megalithic structures and pyramids to the Nina Pinta and Santa Maria motherships to any kind of paranormal or UFO sightings, paranormal hotspots. And the question about the ley lines, I would say that that Antarctica does have ley lines. There is a world grid and it does encompass the whole world, even in the oceans. Mm -hmm. Many of those crossing points are landmass spots. Now keep in mind, Earth is really an ocean planet. We're covered in 71% with water. It's only 29% are the land masses and in the case of Antarctica, that landmass is 99% covered in ice. Right. <clears throat> so if you wanted to hide somewhere on planet Earth, yeah, the bottom of the oceans or under the ice of Antarctica, I'd say we're the under the ice. ice operation. Uh, <laughs> everything's operating under ice. Mm -hmm. I feel like there needs to be like a operation under ice. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's um. We uh, live on Twitch. We have people in the chat room. I like to call them our remote viewers. You know, just a little, oh, cool. funny little joke. And uh, they actually say, what a great hiding place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Peter Lance, did y'all have any final things we didn't cover? Any questions? Oh, or? Uh, Schumacher ponds. That's mm. uh, in New Schwabenland. Geothermal heated ponds. They never freeze. In that oh. area is one of what they call the Antarctica oasis. There's land that never accumulates any ice it's it's warm we went to deception island which is an active volcano and even in the lonely planet said you go out to this bay if you get there during low tide you can strip down and lay in a hot spring wow. the tide was coming up so we just walked through with our shoes off and it was warm water but there's still no greenery or anything like that there right no 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 wow. no green and that wouldn't be confused with with uh, Admiral Byrd's explorations. I mean, we're talking ponds, little lakes here, not like a two mile. Okay, so Schumacher ponds were named after the pilot, the German pilot who flew flew off of the uh, New Schwabenland boat, which they gave the name of the land after the boat. There's an area in Germany called Schwabia. That's where the name came from. Right. So he flew the uh, seaplane off the boat and landed in the Schumacher ponds. And it was from there that the crew on the boat went inland to find the base. 
And the backstory is that they were given an abandoned base by Draco reptilians. They just had to go there and find it. And <laughs> basically it. it's yours. And they did. And they were successful in finding it. But they also were able to access the base with their U-boats, the submarines went yeah. under the ice. And I show a picture in my presentation of Antarctica without the ice. And there are fjords, just these waterways that go well into the interior of Antarctica for hundreds of miles. Wow. Which is how the, uh, your, the Hitlers and you know Nazis would be able to just swoop on through, right? Uh, or how they could go there undetected. They had all the operate U-boats. Wow. wow. Holy cow, I man. Saw, I saw Peter's mind blow when he said reptilians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You should have kept oh. that word out of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I, Too I got late. All, I got my David Icke collection over here. <laughs> That's Love David nice. Icke. You may need to get your Brad Olson collection. Oh, yes. I got to get it. I gotta Where do we it. get it? Where can we get your collection? So if you want to get my books, uh, cccpublishing.com is the website where I'll be able to sign copies for people. Oh, nice. But they're, they're available uh, at all book retailers. In fact, you can go into your bookstore and you can order them that way. I've got a really good distributor with CCC Publishing and publish other books such as, as I mentioned, Laura Eisenhower. Her new book will be out uh, early next year. And we also have Michael Jaco, his two books in the Intuitive Warrior series and uh, the three of mine in the um, esoteric book series. And I got to get them. The new one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you like the stuff we were talking about tonight, then yes. this is the juiciest topic. Oh, thank yep. you for coming on. I, yeah, and I'll um, I'll have I'll have your website linked in our episode description. That way, uh, if you're watching this on Spotify or Apple, um, even Rumble, when we post it, uh, if you want to visit uh, the website, um, I'll have it linked in the description. But um, just to kind of close it out. What do you really think is going on down in Antarctica? Down in your heart, what's going on? Yeah, well, yeah, the globalists have a presence down there. Several bases been identified. And it's interesting, they even name them after them. There's the Rockefeller Plateau and Rothschild Island, as I mentioned. And uh, oh with, with the geothermal power, you have the propensity for these under ice bases to be T-shirt weather in Antarctica in the middle of winter. Wow. So they have a, a, a power source, warm water, hot But springs. there's not there's not a uh, distinct um, reason why like they would need it for like aerial combat. You know, like we we always take over these islands to be in positions around the world to be close to everything. There's not really a uh, an advantage for that, right? There, unless you're trying to hide from the rest of the world, you're there's to a hide. huge advantage. Yeah, wow. This is the craziest stuff. I, but I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was just, I was thinking, you know, why everybody, you know, for a military standpoint, that would yeah. uh, be an advantage. Because we just, you know, we did an episode on uh, MH370 a few weeks ago, and um, a lot of the theories coming out now is um, Diego Island or Diego Garcia oh, yeah. Island, yeah. Yeah. just random island out in the middle of the, you know, ocean. It's where the Malaysia but, Flight 370 went. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. You know, but there's, you know, we have military um, reasons of being there, I guess. You know, whereas yeah, like, how, saying, how, like taking Hawaii or Marshall right. Islands, you know, it's like you, know, you have strategic points in the world, but Antarctica yeah. is uh, hiding. Without an ocean planet, you need a air base in the middle of nowhere, yep. way down there. And 
Look, even in the time of Admiral Byrd, he said uh, to young people who want to go out and explore, it's getting crowded up in the North Pole, but you go down to the South Pole and you go beyond the poles was his word. What, what does that even mean? Right, right, right. And that, that's this whole new place that uh, young Americans could go and explore. Sure. So more yeah. to the mystery. Yeah, that, that's really the, the uncharted land, especially the landform below the ice as well as the deepest depths of the ocean. There's still a lot of mysteries and unexplored places in this world, if you can get there. Absolutely. That's, um, you know, before we sign off, I just wanted to see, you know, for people inexperienced in, you know, exploring or even this field, uh, people wanting to get into this type of research, what advice do you have to them to kind of get started, you know, to be able to actually, you know, go down and explore these places and, and make connections and, you know, just things like that. People that are definitely interested in this stuff and want to research that. Well, you could do it the way you guys are doing it and, and look at Google Earth and find anomalies. There's whole user groups of people that are scouring using Google Earth to find cool anomalies. I'm a, I'm a hands-on guy. I, I travel, throw a backpack on and go down there. That That's my method. That's pretty awesome. And that's why I write travel books before I got into the esoteric series. I'm leaving for uh, Southeast Asia in two weeks, going to go to the jungles of Laos for... <laughs> A couple couple weeks in the middle of January, get out of the cold right. of winter here. And uh, so so that's my way. I just I just go places and I'm able to learn a lot and then parlay it over to you guys and uh, just tell you about what I saw and what I think it all means. Absolutely. Last question I have for you. Last question. Do you believe in that Nanta, the Penta, and the Santa Maria, the motherships? Yeah. Okay. That was the nickname the NSA gave the three massive crafts. Wow. And I think one of them can be identified as the Conan base. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I, I know I speak for myself, and I think I speak for Lance and Peter. Antarctica is probably one of our favorite subjects to talk Absolutely. about. Just Absolutely. Just it, because it, 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 it com comprises it's, of so many different theories. All right. It's like the hub for all the other stuff we talk mysteries about and, and stuff like that <laughs> you know, not, not even you know really mysteries and, but, but history itself you know going back to the period yep. Reese maps to you know the nazis germany having such an interest in it to now you know Arians and Arianes and oh this is terrifying stuff yeah <laughs> peter terrifying. again peter's gonna be up for the next two weeks so uh <laughs> yeah um, but, uh, mm, it never stops the research yep, yep, it but, never uh, stops. We, yep but brad we can't thank you enough for coming on this has been an amazing source of Journey. information and, and the fact that you've been there and, and relay your first person experience we 100 percent appreciate it hey not a problem sorry i had the little coughing episodes just caught oh, a you're good winter man. cold but uh, added to the drama There's we made it through so thanks for having me on it was great talking to you guys and uh, sharing information you guys taught me a few things and showed me some spots on google earth i'd never seen before so cool it's always good when when you can share information Awesome. Well, again, I will have uh, his website in the podcast episode description uh, when it posts, so you can go buy the books and um, you know visit the website and, and learn more and everything about that. And with that being said, Room 2008 is out. Peace. Peace.